to the Australian Rotary Health podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. I'm Jessica Cooper and on our 31st episode, we will be having a chat with Dr. Claire McCormack. Australian Rotary Health awarded Claire with an Ian Scott PhD scholarship from 2013 to 2015 to conduct research on the impacts of prenatal alcohol and drug exposure on infant cognitive development at the University of New South Wales National Drug and Alcohol Research Centre. Claire is now a Robert Burt Presidential Scholar in Society and Neuroscience at Columbia University in New York. Her research focuses on psychological health in pregnancy and the peripartum and how these experiences are affected by maternal stress and trauma. So thank you so much for joining me on our podcast today, Claire. I'm sure a lot has happened since completing your PhD. So what have you been up to since then? Yeah, thank you, Jessica. Um, Great to be here. Um, So since I finished my PhD, I guess the main thing is that I moved to New York City. Um, I got in touch with a lab at Columbia University, the Perinatal Pathways Lab, which is... um, led by Dr. Catherine Monk. And I was lucky enough to be offered a, a postdoctoral fellowship there. Um, so I, I guess moving on from my PhD research, I, which was focused on drug and alcohol use in pregnancy, um, I became aware of the need to consider the bigger picture if you want to understand uh, how development begins before birth. So drug and alcohol is, is one thing, but it turns out um, depression, stress, and trauma um, can also be exposures that affect the fetus on their own. And this is the, um, the focus of the lab that I moved into. Um, it was meant to be a two-year experience, but once I was there, I became very interested in this area, realized there's a lot of really exciting science going on and I wanted to continue my research. So um, I drew a few threads together. I designed an an interdisciplinary um, program of study, looking at how pregnancy and the transition to to motherhood might be shaped by maternal stress and maternal um, and also effects on the offspring. So intergenerational trauma. Um, Yeah, so there's fascinating neuroscience around this topic. I was excited to get into, but really, um, to address those questions properly, you need multiple disciplinary approaches working together. Mm-hmm. So um, this ultimately led me to um, being fortunate enough to be one of the, now I'm one of Columbia's presidential scholars in society and neuroscience, where I work with great mentors uh, from diverse fields across neurosciences, psychology, humanities, to answer some of these big questions. Yeah, well, that sounds like a very exciting opportunity, being able to, you know, take your career to the other side of the world. So, yeah, that must be really good. And I I can hear that you're very um, interested in what you're doing now as well. So, yeah, that's really great. 
Um, I suppose many of us know to avoid drinking alcohol um, during pregnancy. I guess, yeah, taking it back to that PhD research that you did, looking at the, the alcohol use in pregnancy. Um, I guess in particular, um, you, you were sort of looking at the alcohol use in early pregnancy, so when someone might not even know that they're pregnant. Um, I guess, can you tell us why this particular area was important mm. to investigate at the time? Yeah, um, well, the simple reason really is just that we thought probably, you know, at least anecdotally and just from logic that that would be when most alcohol exposure probably occurred. But um, interestingly, looking at literature, hardly anyone had actually collected data to really figure this out, whether this was the case and what the effects of exposure at that time might be on cognitive development in kids. Um, also, I think that period is a really different period and important to study separately from the rest of pregnancy because, you know, alcohol use is a behaviour and it's quite a different behaviour to someone who's continuing to drink all throughout their pregnancy. Um, to lump all drinkers into one group would be kind of um, misleading when many of them have actually stopped drinking um, extremely early. You know, often people find out they're pregnant within the first, you know, four to six weeks. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's that's very interesting because I, I suppose, you know, many people who are, you know, trying to get pregnant, they wouldn't necessarily want to drink during that. So, yeah, not putting them in that same category as, you know, sort of people who, you know, don't mind having a drink while pregnant. Yeah, I think that would probably mm. be very important. Yeah. Um, so Yeah, and most people stop when they, they find out they're pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, I guess as well, um, you know, when, when you started your PhD, what sort of questions were you hoping to answer and, and how did you go about answering them? Yeah, so I wanted to understand um, whether alcohol use in pregnancy, specifically in particular levels of alcohol use, um, might affect infant cognitive development, um, taking into account as many social and environmental factors as, as well as was possible. Um, and that's quite an undertaking. So to do this well, there are lots of things that you need for, to make a study strong. Um, and I was just a student. Um, so I, of course, was part of a, a bigger group um, working as part of a, a large NHMRC funded longitudinal study um, at, at the National Drug and Alcohol Research Centre led by Richard Maddock and Delise Hutchinson. And um, this study really met all the criteria that you need to pull off, um, you know, addressing a research question like this. So you need um, a a perspective and longitudinal study where you started with people in their pregnancy and followed them up over a long period of time. Um, you also need a, a big sample to be able to find it might, um, might not be big effects, there might be subtle effects. Uh, you also need a huge amount of data on a huge range of factors in the family, everything from demographics, physical and psychological health in parents, um, birth outcomes and, and development in the kids. And then in terms of outcomes, you need observer-rated um, assessments of infant development. So using a rigorous test battery 
this is the most you know reliable and gold standard way of, of um, measuring kid development so this study that I was able to be part of did all of these things and, and met that gold standard criteria so I also worked with great people at NDARC to achieve this yeah it certainly sounds like a really strong study you know in terms of how much data you had and you know that big sample so yeah it sounds like it would have been you know very important and very um valid as well yeah so um I guess you know as well because it was such a big study did this receive any media coverage or you know um be published in any you know notable journals um, yeah, there was a bit of media coverage in Australia um, and I published three journal articles on the results um, and most recently I've kept up my interest in this area. Um, most recently I wrote an editorial for the American Journal of Psychiatry where I looked at findings of studies like this, um, trying to make sense of them alongside research from the broader developmental origins of health and disease fields, um, taking into account factors like parents' mental health as well as social determinants of health, uh, like poverty and, and neighbourhood safety, things like that. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like it was very interesting. And it, yeah, it's good to hear that some yeah big results kind of came out of that. Um, could you maybe talk us through what some of the key findings were from this study? Um, yeah, so I guess, um, you know, in terms of take home messages, um, I guess some people would be reassured to know that we actually did not see evidence that alcohol use during pregnancy, particularly at low levels and including alcohol use uh, in that early period prior to pregnancy awareness, we didn't see that it was associated with any um, impairment in cognitive development in kids at one year of age. Bring um, people who may be worried if they, uh, you know, found out they were pregnant but may have drunk some alcohol, you know, inadvertently um, or be worried about a bit of alcohol use. Um, of course, there are some caveats. So firstly, that, that there weren't as many women in this sample drinking very heavily. Um, so we had the most ability to talk about low-level drinking. Um, and also this is this is one specific outcome at one time point so there might be um, other ways that offspring can be affected that we didn't measure um, and also this sample tended to be women who were relatively well off and healthy so there might be other risk factors that make um, kids more vulnerable yeah um so yeah it sounds like those were some very interesting findings um would you say that this would have some implications um, in terms of you know helping real people um, yeah, I mean, I think my take home message, not just from this study, but also in the context of other studies in this area and in perinatal mental health, because I was quite struck by these findings, um, is, is really that I think supporting women during this period is the most important thing we can do. So for some, this may in fact involve support around alcohol and substance use. Um, it's not always possible for someone to suddenly stop drinking or using a substance um, so easily. So you wanna make sure that it's possible to find help without that shame or stigma. Um, and, and whether you're worried about 
mum or worried about you know the baby I think centering the, the women's mental health needs front and center um, really has the potential for the best the greatest impact not just on women but also the next generation yeah yeah definitely well it sounds like these findings yeah can really help in informing you know ways to to support women so yeah that sounds like it yeah would have some really positive impacts there um I guess as well um you, you said that you were working with other um other researchers at the um, National Drug and Research Centre and, and it was part of a large trial. Has this research led to any other important research discoveries in, in that same area? Um, yeah, so the papers published um, so far have been cited quite a lot actually. So it seems like it has been um, valuable evidence helping to draw attention to the fact, um, for instance, that a lot of alcohol use happens before people know they're pregnant, that this has public health implications. Um, and that study is actually ongoing. Um, it's now mostly um, being run by Dr. Delise Hutchinson, who's at Deakin University, and um, the kids are being followed up, I think, up until the age of eight, if I'm not mistaken. So I think it's, you know, the, these longitudinal studies, the longer we can follow up kids, the more we learn. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, that's, yeah, it's really great to hear that. And um, yeah, I, I know as well, um, you would probably know our research is, is primar uh, primarily funded by donations and fundraising efforts um, of Rotarians. Uh, I understand that infant mental health may be an area that requires a lot more research and there's so much more that could be done. Could you explain to our uh, Rotary audience why continuing to donate to this area might be important? Oh, well, mental health in general, uh, we all know, is um, one of the biggest health challenges facing Australia and the world, especially in the current moment. Um, I think everyone is very concerned that mental health needs are only going to grow, you know, in the coming months and years ahead. Um, I live in New York. I know I've seen firsthand um, how, you know, the immense impact this pandemic is having on mental health. So, uh, but in terms of mental infant mental health specifically, um, I think a lot of science is, is telling us how absolutely critical the perinatal period, so during pregnancy and the first 100 days of, of infant's life, how important they are in terms of shaping risk for mental disorders throughout life. So this may sound alarming, but really what it is, is a window of opportunity. Um, by doing everything to understand optimal development in, of infants in these early months, even before birth, um, we could be designing interventions that reduce the risk of mental illness ever appearing later. So better help for pregnant women might be the best place to, to start. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we strongly believe that, yeah, prevention is a lot more helpful than, you know, than treatment necessarily. Yeah, so we really focus our, um, our research on prevention and early intervention. So yeah, I guess getting getting in really early at those initial stages of development that, yeah, that would be really important, I think. Yeah, so um, I know as well that, you know, some of the some of the funding from Australian Rotary Health um, does help early career researchers kind of kick off their, their research. Um, and 
I, I guess that that might have been the same for you, you know, starting your PhD. I, I guess could you um, maybe maybe talk us through how helpful it was to receive that initial funding from Australian Rotary Health? Yeah, it was incredibly important. Um, I think Rotary are really unique and pioneering by specifically supporting mental health and also by supporting early career scientists. Um, it's so important. It definitely has a long-term impact on the field um, by building up the next generation of researchers, but also um, I think you're tending to support more innovative um, and new ideas. And for me, I think it was incredibly valuable to receive that encouragement um, so early on, you know, that, that um, my own ideas and my own work um, were actually important and could make a difference. Um, as a scientist, you need to figure out how to carve out your own space and Rotary helped me do that. Yeah, oh, well, that's, yeah, really great to hear. And, and it's great also to hear, you know, how far you've come since then, you know, working in New York now and, yeah, it just, yeah, it sounds like you've had a great career so far. <laughs> yeah, I'm so grateful. It's, it really means a lot. Yeah, well, thank you so much for, for joining me on our podcast today, Claire. It's been really great to talk to you about your research. Um, yeah, I guess before we wrap up today, was there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, no, I just, yeah, again, want to express my gratitude and I'm really excited to follow, you know, the studies that Rotary is funding now and, and will, I'm sure, to continue to fund. Yeah, keep up the great work. <laughs> you too. Well, thanks again, Claire. <laughs> that was the 31st episode of our podcast for the research behind Lift the Lid. It's always so inspiring to hear what researchers in Australia are doing to make a difference to mental health and how they are helping us on our mission to lift the lid on mental illness. If you can, please support important mental health research like Claire's by donating on the Australian Rotary Health website. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.